Um, that's not round ball rock, Bill. No, that's Sports Center. <laughs> Do you bad. want to start it over? Okay. No. Uh, this is Bill and Bob's bracket busting breakdown. I'm Bob. I'm here with Bill. Uh, hey, Bill, Bob. What's going on? Just for those of you who are checking in four pods the south and east are going to be slightly disjointed uh it's going to be my thoughts then your thoughts we're at the midwest now it's me and you we're live not together but live on a computer screen um and we're ready to roll we got uh yeah thanks to the thanks to the power of uh the internet all right let's get right down to it um the we're going to start with the number one seed uh in this region they were in line to be the number one seed um prior to the uh, American Championship game. Houston Cougars. Losing well, to Memphis. they didn't have Marcus Sasser, and Memphis had given them some trouble in the regular mm-hmm. season. Um, Houston will be taking on Western, uh, Northern Kentucky, not Western Kentucky. Yeah, this would be an interesting game. I think um, if you go back into sort of how Houston's played in the tournament, you get kind of a, a mix until very recently where they've actually had a couple good runs in the tournament. I think a lot of that stems from the fact that they're, for so many years, were a defensive team. So they did make the Final Four, but even that year that they made the Final Four, it was like that Houston team that uh, barely got by Rutgers and and had to deal with a bunch of other um, teams that, that – were really bad like their their road was like an 11 seed and a 14 seed and um and i think they actually have after this first round game which i expect them to win i think they actually have a pretty tough little run there in the top half of this um region um especially when you get to the eight nine game yeah i think obviously the first round game northern kentucky does not give me um any pause i don't think they um challenge really Houston at all whether Sasser plays or not I don't think matters I think what you're going to have here is you're going to have a motivated Houston team uh Kelvin Sampson's not going to let the guys uh come out flat um whether Sasser plays or not um Houston the way they've played this year all season has they've beat up on all these um these low-level teams. The only team that they really struck—I don't even want to say struggle against—but the only time that they had a close game against a mid-major was Kent State, um, and Kent State actually really not that bad. They were top uh, top sixty, top sixty-three, uh, just didn't win their conference. But um, Houston, all season long, the, the three three losses really not not a bad loss in there when you consider that they lost lost to memphis memphis had had really challenged them and they memphis is uh, in my opinion uh, a strong team as well which is backed up by ken palm and uh, i agree yeah um houston by the way we should say i think houston is number one overall they they are um actually basically every single metric that i seemingly look like the bpi and all these seem to have um houston as the number one um adjusted defense they're fourth so they still have that defensive um profile going but they're also 11th in adjusted offensive efficiency the thing that they actually do really well um despite not really having um somebody over six eight is their offensive rebounding is fifth in the country um they just go they go after they go effort on the offensive glass and continue 
and I think I think one thing you can say about that the, to add to that, not that that's not great that they have the offensive rebounding, it's but they do get a, a decent amount of opportunities for offensive rebounds. They're not necessarily the best shooting nope. team, uh, and that's where Sasser could come in if he actually is uh, somehow compromised. Beyond he he said he was available against Memphis. I kind of doubt that. I think we'll see him at least for a few minutes here um, in this game, and then maybe they, the best route is probably to let him rest but he's their best shooter at 38 percent from three and 51 percent from the field um we could actually move down uh let's go to the eight nine game we have um the iowa hawkeyes against um the auburn tigers out of the sec in the eight nine game yeah so this this game really interests me and i think the other big uh thing to note about this is is Auburn would be, in my opinion, one of the better teams from a talent standpoint that Houston has run up against all year. Um, you know they're a well-coached team, a team that has a, um, a decent amount of experience, and they were actually, at certain points in time this year, looking like one of the best teams in the country. I think they actually had themselves a little run at number one in, what was it, December yeah, maybe? they started the season um – against lower level teams i don't know if they got as high as number one but they had definitely got into the top 10 i believe um and yeah yeah, then they their first losses were uh it was a three-game stretch where they lost to memphis beat georgia state and then they lost to usc but memphis and usc both both um tournament teams in their own right and i think they're both coincidentally also eight nines and and the other thing I will say about um, Auburn is they they have a lot of depth. They um, they go ten deep. They actually have eleven guys who've played in games, and like against a team like Houston, if they if they like make the game as sloppy as they possibly can, and decide to make Houston you know play physical and shoot a lot of free throws. They have the the guns to have a lot of fouls. Yeah, and in this else. game in particular, I, I think it's obviously complete contrast in styles in Iowa. Iowa, uh, third in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency, um, way back at 166 on the defensive end, just not a good defensive team at all. Whereas last year, they kind of showed a little bit on the defensive end. Um, Auburn, 48th. Um, offensively and then 29th defensively so Auburn to me just I know we talked defense but I thought you touched on some good points the talent level was there Um, I think they could do a good job of taking away they have some size where they could take away Murray um, which really just like his brother Iowa's offense is very dependent on him and then you, they have another big man in Rebracca, but if that's one of the strengths, that's one of Auburn's strengths as well, is having multiple, um, you know, guys at six eight or bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it really depends on what kind of style of uh, game you're going to see played. Auburn's not particularly like it, they're not the Auburn team from a couple of years ago was this offensive juggernaut. If you remember, um, that that could get up and down and score. This team's not really that, but they're not bad offensively. They're not bad defensively. They're um, I think they're top forty in both, which is or, 40, or right around there in Ken Palm. Twenty nine um, defense, so, which is good. Yeah, top top fifty. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, I I actually like Auburn in this game, um, and then I like Auburn to give Houston a really good game in round two but i think i'm gonna like yeah houston, houston i think um 
could get challenged by Auburn. I don't think Iowa, they've been a little bit too Jekyll and Hyde for me, where I think if they advance, I don't see them challenging Houston. But I think Houston um, at least gets into the Sweet 16 again. Um, next game up, we move to the next quadrant. We have 5-12. So we have Miami again, number, as the number five against the number 12-seeded Drake. Uh, I love the 12-5 here. This is the upset special. Um, Drake's a team that's built for the tournament. I mean, I think if you look, they've been consistently one of the best mid-major programs of the last, like, 10 years, 12 years. Um, multiple tournament appearances. Last time they were in the tournament, I think they actually made it as an at-large and won, uh, beat Wichita State in the first four and then lost a, a really close game to USC, who ended up going to the Elite Eight that year. They're like, they've had some, or, or maybe in the Final Four, if I remember. I can't quite remember. But they've had some some absolutely great performances. This team also, I mean, they're, they're a three-point shooting team. They're sort of your classic mid-major, I think. Um, very, very capable of beating a Miami team that I believe might yeah, be down so in front Miami, court um Right now, they're the really only big that they play, and he's undersized at that at 6'7", Norchad Omir. Um, he played one minute against Duke in the ACC, um, I think it was the semifinal. Uh, he, his status is in doubt for this game, um, and I think that really puts what I, I liked Miami all season long. Um, they have tremendous guard play and multiple guys who could kind of carry them, whether it's Wong, um, Miller, or Pac. All three guys could kind of get hot at any moment, um, and the Miami team also likes to kind of get up and down. Uh, very good offensive team at 12th. Really don't play a ton of defense as they drop way back in those rankings. Um, and they also um, they will turn. Uh, sorry, they will turn the ball. They won't necessarily turn the ball over either. Um, but yeah, I think if there is out. Um, Drake has some size that can challenge them, um, and I think that's a tough spot because Drake um, is a pretty well-balanced team. Yeah, I think this is a very this is an extremely tough matchup for Miami. I'm actually going to go ahead and take uh, Drake in this game. Yeah, I think it's just it's just unfortunate timing for Miami because I think if Omir's in the lineup and at full strength, I think Miami is capable of going on a run. Um, not to say that they can't. But um, Drake is certainly uh, no slouch as a 12. Uh, below it, we have the 4-13 game. We have Indiana out of the Big Ten versus the Kent State uh, Golden Flashes out of the MAC. Yeah, so at Kent State, uh, they won their conference. That's how they're in. They're in as a 13. Um, good record this year. Like Looked like a pretty good team. Indiana sort of struggled down the stretch. Um, I think they finished the season 4-4. Four and four. They, they looked to me like they were a little bit better earlier in the year. Um, so when it comes down to it, I, want, I do wonder, because I don't think it, uh, Kent State is necessarily um, the same type of team as a Drake who could shoot you out of the gym. They're... Um, they're not. Uh, they're not necessarily that good of a three-point shooting team, if I recall. Um, but so I like Indiana in this game. Um, I, Kent State also didn't play enough good teams. I will say one thing: they did play uh, Houston and Gonzaga this year. Both were relatively close losses. Um, so that's something to at least keep an eye on. But um, whereas Drake is sort of your your f- far more prototypical mid-major, Kent State is. Um, 
it's not really built in the same fashion. Yeah, so just to kind of touch on it, Indiana, um, certainly one of those kind of teams that has um, a two-headed monster. Um, I had mentioned it on um, uh, an earlier team with Kansas State has a two-headed monster in Keontae Johnson and Marcus Noel. Um, Indiana kind of rivals that with two very strong players in Trace Jackson Davis, um, a do-it-all forward at 20 a game, 10 rebounds. And then freshman 6'6 guard Jalen hood Shafino, who um, could kind of get hot, but he's, he's a bit streaky. You know, he, he, he tends to go through streaks. Um, but yeah, Indiana didn't necessarily finish str- that great over over um, over the final few games, like you said. Uh, Kent State, those two games stand out. Certainly, those games against Houston and Gonzaga. Gonzaga they lost by seven. Houston they lost by five. Um, their best player right now, um, sincere Curry. Uh, I thought uh, no, sorry. They haven't. They have their second. Their second top scorer is the MAC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Malik Jacobs, who averages uh, just under three steals a game. And you have to imagine that he's going to go after Hood Shafino. Um, and Hood Shafino, if he's kind of not shooting the ball well, um, they're going to really have to rely much more heavily than normal on Trace Jackson Davis. Um, and Kent State really doesn't, at least looking at their roster, doesn't have a ton of size that jumps off the page at me. Um, so I do think Indiana potentially gets by, but I think Kent State's a little bit more of a live dog than um, most, most people would probably give them credit for. Yeah, I'm going to have to say um, I don't see a four-seed dead in Ohio. Shout out Kent State shooting of 1968. Um, it's an interesting uh, interesting way to put it with that reference. And a Neil, and a Neil Young song. song. Um, great, great spot to take a break. <laughs> All right, uh, Bill, Nixon is not calling, um, but the next game is of Iowa State uh, versus the 11 a matchup that is actually going to be tipping off um my alarm went off i don't know if anybody heard in the background uh the 11s game of mississippi state versus pittsburgh yes the uh the play-in game featuring two teams that uh were beaten by the team that was snubbed and not given a bit into this year's tournament the vanderbilt commodores in spite of their late season run and I think, Bob, you just said they're actually uh, uh, doing some work in the NIT. I actually don't think Vanderbilt um, quite did enough to get into the tournament, but it was a quite, it was a very fun end-of-the-season run. For anyone who doesn't know, they won like 10 out of their last 12 and came from sort of nowhere. They lost to, by, to Alabama by like 77 points and then somehow started winning games. But um, Vandy, I watched beat both Pitt and Mississippi State uh, this year. Um, Mississippi State... There was a closer game down toward the stretch. Mississippi State did a lot this year. Eight and ten in the SEC kind of worries me. Um, I think either one of these two teams is in trouble. If not in the next, if not against Iowa State, I think they're in trouble in the next round. Um, I don't see either of these two teams going far. The rest of the, as we move further down in the bracket, I do have some better high seeded picks, but uh, Pitt and Mississippi State. You know, I'm not seeing I'm it. Gonna I'm going to go, go with Iowa way. State. Iowa in this State one. Um, every time I watch them has not impressed me at all. Um, I, they do have seniors, a very senior-laden lineup, um, although Caleb Grill, um, their um, 
best shooter, uh, no longer on the team. But they have they have guys, Gabe uh, Kalsher, Jaron Holmes, um, who him and um, their center are actually both St. Bonnie's transfers in. Uh, St. Bonnie's in the tra- – I think was in the tournament last year. But um, Iowa State, very defensive team. Uh, they've had a variety of wins, uh, beat Baylor three different times this season. Um, and they're just a very defensive team. Ken Palm, um, eight on defense. Um, if they play Mississippi State, it's a very defensive game as uh, Mississippi State sixth on Ken Palm defense. Um, but then if they face Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, a more offensive-minded team, um, they're 24th offensively. Uh, I, personally, I, this is – somebody always comes out of this play-in game. I think there's only been one year where a, um, somebody from the 11 um, or uh, – yeah, from the 11 game has not advanced uh, at least past the into the round of 32. So this is my pick here, just because I I don't I don't like Iowa State that that much, and I think uh, Pitt's got a nice offensive punch um, with Blake Hinston and Jar- Jamarius Burton, um, their two leading scorers, um, and Mississippi State. I think just in a dogfight, um, and I I lean. Um, Tolu Smith um, as a big man against the the bigs on Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, one thing Mississippi State can do is play defense. Um, I I still, again, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Iowa State. It's just more as we move down this this, uh, region. I don't see either of those two teams getting past uh, Xavier. And I don't know, maybe you like Kennesaw um, State. Yeah, so actually that's uh, we can move next on game to that up. one. We have the three-seeded uh, Xavier Musketeers, uh, the Big East uh, tournament runner-up, uh, facing the Kennesaw State Owls out of the Atlantic Sun. Um, just really to get right into it, uh, Xavier, I think they would be um, – they'd be a lot uh, – Thought much more highly if they had Zach Fremantle. He was ruled out for the season right before the Big East tournament. Um, but they have a really good inside-outside game with Suli Boom and uh, Jack Nunji. And, I mean, they were they had a, a period of yes. time this year where they were, yep. what, top um, uh, yeah, five they are a very in good the country? Team. Um, when you look at the metrics um, – Eighth offensively, uh, Ken Palm. Um, they really like to get up and down the floor, top 40 pay, uh, pace. Um, their biggest thing that I've noticed with them is end-of-game situations. They can be a bit careless with the ball. It's not less necessarily that their turnover numbers are high, um, but they one of their loss at Butler in particular, they were pretty careless with the ball. They had a, a real tight game with Marquette where they lost by one. I thought they were pretty careless with the ball. One point lost to Villanova. Just the turnovers at the end of the game. Suli Boom um, is a guy who could really carry you through the tournament, um, but he just when the ball is in his hands, he makes some tough decisions at the end and has thrown the ball away a little bit. They also don't shoot free throws that well, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just kind of taking a glance over at their numbers um well that would make sense if you're um, losing close games toward Uh, toward the end of the season as i said kind of a a a very good uh scorer who could carry them a bit shooting 42 percent from three and if um 
it's February 1st, so 12 games. He's actually attempted more threes because he's attempting seven per game during that stretch. I think that's good for Xavier. It gives them a little bit more um, in an inside-out presence. Actually, the one thing that I noticed when I looked at this game um, is actually Kennesaw State does not do a great job on the boards. Um, th- their tallest player who gets major minutes is at 6'8". Um, their opponent's offensive re- rebound numbers uh, is 65th in the country. Um, so, and that's where Jack Nunji, I think, is going to do some damage in this game. Um, and I think they'll they'll need to get him th- by Kennesaw State. Um, I've seen a few people think that uh, Kennesaw is a live dog. I don't necessarily see it. I don't necessarily think Xavier covers any sort of spread, but I think they move on. And I don't think they really get challenged in the next game either. Um, because Iowa State, I don't think it'd score with them. Neither can Mississippi State, and Pitt could score with them, but Pitt doesn't play defense. So, yeah, that's the um, that's the issue there. And Xavier, uh, to their um, credit, they captivated to play defense at times. They just don't always do it. Um, so, there's that. But uh, Sean Miller, um, certainly a coach who has tournament experience, also. Um, moving down that line, we go to the final quadrant. We have the 7-10 game. We have Texas A&M, the 7 seed, and they're taking on the 10 state, uh, Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, this, is, this is actually quite the matchup as a 7-10 game. I was about to say, I think this is about the best 7-10 game on the uh, entire slate. Both of these teams, I think, are almost criminally seeded. I would have thought Texas A&M, after their run, so last year getting into the tournament, the Texas A&M fell just short after they went on a run and went to the um, SEC tournament final. This year they did the same thing. They played great in the um, in the SEC tournament, um, and and some really good wins. And you know, if you lose to to an Alabama, you lose to an Alabama. What can you do? Um, but the for some reason they ended up with a seven seed. I really had them as more of a four or a five. I was very, very surprised, especially when Alabama was given the number one overall, that um, that Texas A&M wasn't bumped up a little bit, and a few of the other SEC teams I thought were underseeded. Not Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State is where they belong, but um, right on the precipice of the bubble. But um, as, as far as uh, they're concerned, I, I, they did really well. And Penn State, their run speaks for itself. They made it all the way to the finals and lost a close yeah, one, right? Yeah, ex- exactly right. Um Texas A&M, I agree with you, underseeded. Ken Palm actually would agree with you. They're 25 there. BPI actually has them as high as the 13th best team in the country. So, um, Yeah, they're, so they're a very balanced team. I've, I've watched them play a couple times this year. Um, Wade Taylor is their best player. Um, he's a, a guy who, who is not shy about shooting the basketball, um, whether it's from deep or from two. Sometimes they can... Um, Texas A&M can, can fall into a scenario where they start taking some bad shots. Um, so if Penn State can force them into some bad shots, then you've got a you've got a you've got a, a, a very wide open game. Like it, it could go either way. But from a talent standpoint, Texas A&M is so deep they can't they go another team that goes. They have I think ten guys who play over fifteen or over ten minutes a game. Uh, maybe it's eleven guys who play over eleven minutes a game. Um, everybody on their team is capable of scoring. They don't have any great three-point shooters. They have two guys who are above 36, 37%. Um, 
and they can be volume scorers. So, you know, they could have a game where they, they run somebody off the court. They could have a game where they yeah, really struggle and lose. Neither would surprise me in this that I'm uh, first at, round. Um, very well-balanced team, six, 26 offensively. Ken Palm, uh, 35th defensively. Very good offensive rebounding team, six in the country there, and top 40 at forcing turnovers. Um, worth mentioning, though, with Penn State, um, they're going to lean – this is – this is a top 16 offensive team in the country. Not a great defensive team as they're dropping to the hundreds. Um, they have a very good All-American guard. Jalen Pickett averages just under 18 a game, seven points, uh, sorry, seven boards, six, uh, six and a half assists a game, uh, shoots 38% from three, 55% from the field. They also, um, from just from three-point uh, standpoint, they have Pickett who shoots 38%. Seth Lundy um, shoots uh, 40%, another 40%, Andrew Funk from three, and another guy, uh, Cameron Winter, at 41%. Um, Pickett, uh, top five assist um, to turnover ratio um, since uh, 1992, and he's one of the three players who's eight, three players to average at least 16.7 boards and six assists a game, along with Penny Hardaway and Denzel Valentine. So, in very good collegiate company there is Pickett. Um, and if Penn State goes anywhere, it's going to be with him. And we always preach uh, strong guard play. Yes, exactly. Especially in this tournament. And if the you know if if the shots are falling, they're falling. I just think that Texas A&M has the ability to throw yep. a lot of bigger defenders on him um, throughout the course of the of the day. So it, it it'll be. It'll be interesting to see how Penn State handles that. I think in a close one, I'm going to take Texas I noticed the one thing that happens with Penn State. Um, They struggled this year against Purdue, and I think it just eliminated Pickett's ability to get into the lane when you have a guy like, obviously, Zach Eady is the exception. I mean, it's the exception to most rules at 7-4. But having somebody with uh, shot-blocking ability in the paint is kind of what um, makes Penn State kind of struggle a little bit because then it eliminates Pickett's ability to get in the lane and they kick it to some of those other shooters. So I think that's uh, – I, I really, both of these two teams who come out of this game, um, I'm high on Texas, uh, who's the next team up in the two, but I think – Either one of these teams, I think, could give Texas a game. Texas, the two seed, they're going to face uh, Colgate, the 15, out of the Patriot. Absolutely. Hey, and I will just say this. Watch out for the Raiders. Um, the, they have multiple guys on their team capable of shooting the three, um, and they could be one of those teams where if Texas has a night where – their shots aren't falling. All of a sudden, Colgate is out to a big lead because Colgate has has three guards that shoot the, the three at uh, over 40% I'm, I'm clip. I'm just looking it up now. Uh, one of the injuries that I had on my list of monitor. And even the, Colgate's another one of those teams where even the big guys are capable of stepping back and shooting the three. They're one of those uh, uh, teams where you have, you know, they, they'll set, do a little pick-and-pop action up at the top of the key. And um, they have a forward, Keegan Records. He's uh, he's uh, leads team in rebounding and first or second in scoring. And he's like a 34, 33% uh, three-point shooter. And then you've got like the re- the other guys on the team. They've got a uh, point guard, Oliver uh, Lynch-Daniels, is um, 
or point guard's really Tucker yep. Richardson, but Oliver Lynch Daniels is a 50% yeah, three-point shooter. Yeah, Lynch Daniels was the, the one that, I, that, that jumped out at me because he's taken over 153s and he's shooting 50% from, um, from deep. Uh, Timmy Allen um, is a question mark coming into this game. He's their third leading scorer. Many people thought that he might have been the um, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's their swingman for Texas. Uh, they're very well balanced on the offensive end with Marcus Carr, uh, Shabari Rice, uh, and then some size, but more finesse players in Dylan Disu and Christian Bishop. Um, offensively, uh, top eight, top uh, 20 in the country at 18, defensive at 11. So they certainly fit the profile of um, a national title contender. Um, but I think they have a tough little quadrant here with Colgate and then, um, you know, Texas A&M and Penn State who offer their own sort of issues. Um, yeah, not a single one of those four teams moving on to the Sweet 16 would shock me. I mean, obviously, Colgate is the least likely to do it. But but if there's a 15 seed in this tournament who is capable of winning a game or two, it is Colgate because Colgate can actually score. They can shoot the ball yeah, offensively um, and actually, if they get hot. Just to further what you were saying with their shooting numbers, Colgate, the top uh, three-point shooting team in the country, um, also seventh in the country as far as uh, two-point percentage also. Um, offensively, they're um, the um, field goal number is actually the first in the country. So very much a live dog for a 15 seed. Tough matchup for anybody. Yeah. I was actually surprised they got a 15. But, I mean, they had a lot of out-of-conference losses. They did go 17-1 and one and rolled through their uh, conference tournament, Let though, this year in, in conference. So... We're moving back. Um, just kind of summarize our thoughts here. Um, in the med Midwest, um, we're obviously very strong bottom quadrant. Uh, both of us are kind of high on, on Xavier. It's funny because to me, late in the season, um, I wasn't sold on them without Fremantle. And then their run through the Big East tournament kind of cemented it for me where I was like, okay, Boom and Nunji um, are really a good one-two punch. If they had Fremantle, I think they'd be a national title contender. Um, as of right now, I think their their ceiling is more Elite Eight, Final Four. Um, I was high on Miami, um, but that O'Meara injury, I think, really kind of looms there. Um, and for the most part, I think Houston, I, I think they could get challenged. But if Mark, Marcus Sasser plays, I think Houston has the profile of a potential national title team. Yeah, I think Houston has a... Um a pretty decent chance of just getting out of certainly of getting out of the top half of this um of this bracket and of this region rather and then you know when it comes to the finals it really depends on how things shake out otherwise because they could you know a team like xavier could give them a, a really good run team like texas a&m i think houston would be able to handle team like texas again you know we'll see what happens but i kind of like uh, houston i'm with you in this i like houston in this uh what one last note that I had that I just want to mention Iowa um, one of the three worst field goal percentage defenses um, in this tournament that's the type of game where if Auburn maybe that's what they need to get their offense going is playing a defense as bad as Iowa so um, maybe maybe you were right maybe Auburn is, is will get going in that game and then really challenge Houston in the round of 32 yeah yeah but uh, I think there are much more difficult um I would almost go so far as to say I find this one to be probably the softest um, of the four regions. And um, 
I know we're going to move on and, and talk about the West right now, and I think the West might be um, I might be on the other end on that. I think the West might be might be the most difficult. I agree, Bill. Uh, the West to me is 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 the region. There's um, just some brutal games out there, man. There, and it is going to be the most entertaining, in my opinion. Bill, that uh, closes it out. I am Bob. This is Bill. Uh, we'll see our listeners in the West. <laughs>